You're listening to the very first season ever of the Lifestyle Company Podcast, hosted by Kristen Forgion, designer, public speaker, and creator of Organic Desert Living. If you like talking design, business, and life without the filter, you came to the right place. In just six years, Kristen grew a one-woman side hustle into a multi-million dollar creative business. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Armed with grit and hard work, Kristen comes to you unapologetically with some tough love. They say wine is cheaper than therapy, and lucky for you, we've got that last part covered. So pour up and let's get to it. Episode three, you guys are still around. I can't believe it. I can't believe how quickly this whole podcast episode recording things thing goes. Well, at least now that I've kind of got the hang of what the heck I'm doing. Let's just say the first episode was not quick at all. But I'm so glad to be back. I am recording every Tuesday so that new episodes can come out every Thursday. So I record on Tuesday and then Kelly, our marketing manager, takes the episode and uploads it to all the places and does the show notes and does all that stuff with our RSS feeds so that you can go to the podcast page on our website, www.thelifestyleco.com and see all the stuff. So it takes a little bit of time for all that to happen. So every Tuesday afternoon, I'm here recording. So this morning I had appointments and all that jazz, and now I'm back playing the podcast Host Life. So today's episode is about influencer fraud. Before we get into all of the passion that I have surrounding influencer fraud, and you may be asking yourself what that is, which I'm going to tell you, we have to start with our questions. It's become a thing, so we're going to keep the thing going. Where am I? Well, I think I should actually kind of take this part out, the where am I part out, because now I record at the same studio every single time. So maybe we should talk about where I'm not, which I am home now from a whirlwind market trip. Uh, For the designers out there, maybe you know High Point, North Carolina. It's the furniture capital of the world. Um, We went last week for a partnership, two panels, the market, a shitload of furniture, all of that um, goodness and and one of the markets that we frequent um, annually. And it brings me to a little something about just traveling as a parent. Sometimes it's super easy and sometimes it's so hard. I get messages on the daily about how I balance it all and every single time I do, I kind of laugh out loud because I definitely don't think that I'm the poster child for balance. Um, I probably work too much. I am definitely on my phone too much. I am definitely on social media too much. Um, But I also think that I have a really blessed life in being able to do what I love. And there's a territory that comes with that. So um, this particular trip was really, really hard, though. And 90% of the time, the whole travel for work thing really works for me. Um, It's a lot of FaceTiming. It's a lot of family help. It's mostly my insanely patient and amazing husband. Um, but yeah, this trip was hard. I think three nights is like the magic number. So for for people out there that travel, I would love to know how you feel about that. Um, DM me on Instagram and let me know if you have any secrets with how you can stay sane while you travel and how you can keep things together at home. Like I said, my husband's amazing, but um, the third night really is a challenge because spending four mornings away from my girls and my family just makes it so hard. And then like the trip back was just long. Anytime 
you live on the West Coast and your travels on the East Coast or vice versa. It's it's just long. It's a far, far way away. And the time change right now because the East Coast is three hours above West Coast or ahead of West Coast, that made it hard too. So this was a hard trip. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think that it's still very worth it to travel for all of the great things that you get to see. This particular market trip, we had a partnership with an amazing furniture company where we got to design a, an entire room using their furniture and then do an appearance with it or a couple appearances with it and host some parties and do all that stuff. So it was it was really fun. And everyone in North Carolina is so sweet. Like Southern hospitality is alive and well. And that was something just really different to experience. I mean, I think everyone in Arizona is really kind and humble and nice as well, but it, it just feels different there. It's not like a kindness that is coming out of wanting to provide good good customer service is a kindness that's coming out of just like your soul and your heart and just being nice and kind. So for everybody that lives in North Carolina or the South, really, I feel like you guys are super, super kind and sweet. Like our Lyft drivers were all amazing. So many females, so many female Lyft drivers, which was um, just different and something something interesting to notice. So that was really cool. Um, more on that whole like mom life, mom guilt stuff in a future episode, but I don't know why the where am I question made me feel compelled to share that I'm I'm home and I'm so happy about that. What am I wearing? I am wearing our Bobby Minimalist Maxi, which I am trying to get in seven colors for seven days of the week because I will 100% live in this come summer. And by air quotes, colors, I mean shades of white, gray, black, and nude. <laughs> but it's restocking really soon, at least in black in the Lifestyle Company shop. What I'm eating... We just put our littlest Sutter Ann on a 70, about 70% gluten-free, dairy-free diet. So I've been living a little bit of that gluten-free life and I really kind of like it. It's kind of a pain in the ass, not going to lie, but I do definitely see a difference in the way I feel, especially when I'm eating bread or pasta. So we've totally switched over to brown rice pasta and then gluten-free bread. I don't feel as much of like a lump in my tummy as maybe I used to. So I don't know. Who knew? Kind of interesting. Um, and no one's allergic to anything. It's just my littlest gets super constipated and we're really trying to work on her diet first to figure out what's going on and then kind of go from there. So if you follow on Instagram, you may have seen some of that because she was super sick on spring break with a viral, complete insanity of a virus coupled with constipation. It was no good. But um, we're over that. Thank God. What I'm reading Entrepreneur Magazine. This month has Kristen Bell on the cover and it's all about building your brand. Such a good issue. I highly recommend getting a subscription um, or picking up just this episode because it really has really great points in how to build your brand and how different business owners have built their brands and what it looks like for them. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love Entrepreneur Magazine. No, this is not paid. This is not a sponsorship from Entrepreneur Magazine. But if you guys want to call me. It's just always packed with really good stuff and is definitely one of those resources that I go to for ideas and motivation and tactics as an entrepreneur. So it's it's one of my favorite magazines that I really look forward to reading when I get it in the mail. Recent facepalm. Legit. Last episode. I'm telling you guys all about how I haven't effed up recently and how proud I am of myself and how this podcast is changing my life and all this stuff and no shit on our flight to North Carolina last week, I leave my MacBook at the security checkpoint at the airport. And I didn't realize it until we were 30,000 feet up in the air. I shit you not. 
I cannot make this shit up. I really cannot. Not, not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form. I was legitimately helping an old woman. There were all these old people with us. They were having some troubles getting their stuff on and off the belt, the conveyor belt thing. So I grabbed some of my stuff and then I helped said old lady with her sweet husband get her her stuff off of the conveyor belt and I hand it to her and I go back two more times for more of her crap. And by the third pass at her freaking bin, I just completely forgot about my own stuff and my freaking computer. So I'm 30,000 feet in the air panicking. I'm able to get on Wi-Fi. So I get on Wi-Fi. I'm texting Vince. He, I literally start the text with like, okay, I do not need you to tell me how dumb I am or how stupid this was or how you can't believe I did this or any of that shit. I already know. I just need you to go to TSA and get my computer. So it was a whole thing. I felt so bad for him, but he really did. He had to stop what he was doing and go get my computer and it's been recovered and all is well. But it was one of those moments where you are just helpless and you're just praying. Like I literally was praying like, please, please, God give have given me good karma by helping the old lady that no one took my computer. And then it's actually someplace that we can recover it because there is a lot of very valuable information on my computer. Yes, I use iCloud. Yes, I back it up, all this stuff, but still, that would have been a very costly mistake. Whew, so that was, that was Barb, Barb showing up here. Um, on the radar, we are hiring. After our market trip and some business strategy kind of sessions with the team, we decided that we are going to hire another designer. A few positions, actually. We have a marketing intern for the summer to pal around with Kelly and a full-time design associate. We are terrified slash excited to see the talent pool out there right now in our market. Lots of people are graduating from design school. Lots of people are wanting to make the leap into a creative business. So if you or someone you know might be interested, tell them to keep an eye out on our social channels because we will be posting full job descriptions and requirements and all that stuff that you have to send us so that we can actually look at look at you in probably like a week. It's going to be it's going to be coming up fast. So we're excited to see what's out there. Absolute death of the moment and then we'll get into the episode is our 75th build. This death of the moment thing will likely toggle. I have a feeling between our project in Montecito And the 75th build for the remainder of season one because they are neck and neck and so freaking good. And my God, the shower at 75th is so insane. I can't. It's all black marble tile that we have cut into this chevron repeat on all walls. It's got a black three-inch marble hexagon floor with a super chunky white quartz top. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's just death. I just I just storied it this morning and actually posted it too if you wanted to see it. So head to Instagram at Lifestyle Co. if you want to see what that what that space looks like. But the build is coming along really quickly. So we're probably going to be staging that in the beginning of June and it'll be on the market right around that time too. So into the episode, influencer fraud. I struggled a lot with where to put this episode in the first season. I struggled with if I even wanted to talk about it. I struggled if I was the right person to talk about it. Um, And influencer fraud, you're going to hear that term a lot in the next 35 minutes. Influencer fraud is something that I knew existed as of recently, but I didn't really understand how rampant and how deep and how costly it is until it happened to me. 
And because of that, I find it really, really super important to talk about it. And part of my job in expanding as a podcast host so that I can connect with you in a deeper level is to help you navigate through this business world that we call entrepreneurship or through creative business or through being a better designer or through being a better person, a better, a better, more well-versed person in business and however that relates to you and your life. And it's happening. It's out there. So I feel like just as much as I can teach you about how I use Instagram effectively, I should also teach you about kind of some of this nasty stuff that's out there that isn't that fun to talk about. And one of the reasons why I struggle with where to put it is because it's kind of negative and I'm not really a negative person and I don't like to focus on things that are negative. And while we do have an episode later in the season called All the Bad Shit in Business, I just didn't want to bring down the first three episodes. And I also didn't want to bring down the sixth episode or the 10th episode or anything like that. So after talking to the team and talking to, you know, some people in my life that I really care about what their their opinion is, I think we decided that there's it, it doesn't have to be negative. It's actually a really positive thing to be able to share actual experience, which I have firsthand experience in it with you guys so that you can do with it what you want and you can be advised and you can take it seriously or maybe it doesn't affect you and you never run into this and it'll be fine. Um, So I decided to put it right on the heels of episode two, which was all about Instagram and how I use it and tips for you to use it successfully, which thank you guys so much for all the feedback. I have gotten so many messages from people saying that they already started using those 10 tips or they're starting with the first tip or the second or one through five or whatever, and they are making a difference in their engagement just by starting to use kind of our tactics. So I'm super excited to hear that. And it makes me feel like all the time and energy that we put into making this podcast happen is helping you guys and is is working. So it's so rewarding. I can't thank you guys enough. So back to influencer fraud. What is it? How did I find out about it? What do you need to watch out for? How can it affect you? I'm going to tell you all about that. What is influencer fraud? When you Google what is influencer fraud or influencer fraud definition, nothing really comes up. There's a whole bunch of articles, but there isn't like a Webster's dictionary version of what influencer fraud is, which shows me, and it should you too, that the climate and the definition of influencer fraud is still very much changing and it's still very new. So I'm going to give you my definition of influencer fraud. Influencer fraud to me is when someone manipulates their engagement on a social platform that they use for influence. So that to me means that you are doing something totally unethical and representing yourself as something that it's not. So you are trying to change and manipulate your engagement. So the number of likes, the number of comments, the number of saves, all that in a way that boosts real numbers And you're tricking the system. You're working the system. You're trying to make it seem like you're getting way more attention and engagement than you actually are. Why is this such a big deal? It is such a big deal and has become even a bigger deal in 2018 and 2019 and moving forward because influencer marketing as a community and as a market is a five to probably going to be 10 billion with a B dollar industry by the end of 2019. It is where a huge percentage of companies put a ton of their marketing dollars, and 
if those numbers are being manipulated, it's really, really, really bad. It's really bad for the industry as a whole, and it's just really bad from an ethics standpoint. I think while I knew that this was happening and this was a thing, I didn't realize how it could affect a small business until it was happening to me, which again is why I am so passionate about it, why I see sound as serious as a heart attack right now, and why I want to educate people so that this doesn't happen to you because I can tell you that it costs my company over $15,000. $15,000. While that's not a million dollars, like what I'm sure it's cost other huge, huge, huge brands and companies, $15,000 to a small business is a heck of a lot of money. So let me go into the backstory a little bit about how all of this happened for us. Like with a ton of growing companies, influencer marketing is a huge resource. Because of social media, we have the power to get right onto people's phones without requiring them to pick up a magazine or to read a book or to read a newspaper or to listen to the radio or to open an email or to do any of those things that now seem archaic and how traditional marketing and advertising used to work. So now it is super easy to partner with a micro-influencer. A micro-influencer by today's standards would be someone who has like less than 35,000 followers to like a mid-level influencer, which would be somewhere between like 35,000 and 100,000, all the way to a Kylie or Kendall Jenner who is obviously off the charts insane. Um, and with each of those brackets in influencer marketing, there are pros and cons to working with that level of account, we'll call it aside from the pros and cons of working with that person and what makes that influencer unique. And with that uniqueness and with what they bring to the table and why they're different or, or you know, positioned differently than someone else or how they can, what their unique value proposition is. We talk about that all the time in business and on this podcast. Um, and working with those people, their engagement can go up or down. So you can have 100,000 followers and maybe your engagement is at 2%. That would mean that 2,000 of those 100,000 people are genuinely engaged in your content. 2% engagement at 100,000 followers is actually super high. That is really, really high by a market standard. The lower your follower count is, typically the higher the engagement is just because Instagram values those accounts very differently. They're showing them differently. Typically, the engagement is higher. As you get larger and your following gets bigger, Instagram isn't showing that post or that um, activity to as many people and your engagement goes down because you have more more followers. So if you can just understand the very basic principle of the pool is just diluted a little bit more. There's more people. So it would be harder to engage from a percentage standpoint, more people. So as a prominent design firm in our market, we are approached often to work on really cool projects. In one instance, and I'm going to purposely keep things very vague because my experience with influencer fraud is really my own fault. I hold myself completely accountable because what I know now, I did not know then. And while I personally think it is inexcusable and disgusting, I I don't know what the other end of what this person was doing and how it started. And I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I am basically choosing to take the high road and share my experience without dragging this person's name through the mud. It is, I will tell you right now, you don't need to go to my feed and try to dissect who this person is or what they did or any of that stuff because it's not on there. It's nothing that we have 
drawn attention to. It's not. It's nothing that you would ever know. All of this went on behind the scenes, and we kept it that way in on purpose because I have no interest in being a mean girl. I have no interest in like shaming someone. I only have an interest in sharing my experience from an educational standpoint so that you guys can learn from this and not have this happen to you and not have this cost you 15 plus thousand dollars, thousands of dollars, 15, 15 plus thousand dollars. I don't know. However that sounded, you know what I mean. So we were approached by this influencer, we'll call them, to design their house. And in designing their house, what they were asking for was comp design services. So we would provide the design and they would provide their equivalent in social sharing, in social coverage. And one of the reasons why it is so beneficial for brands and companies to work together that have a like aesthetic and share a similar mindset is because for the most part, we probably have really similar followers, right? The people that like your stuff are probably going to like my stuff because our aesthetics are the same and we believe the same and we frequent the same places and we're in the same market. And it's just a really fast and easy visual way of being able to know that you're kind of working with the right person. That, okay, all arrows point to this is a good arrangement. We know we like each other. We know there's an aesthetic match. We think our followers will will agree. And as you are growing your business and as you are thinking about working with brands and and whether it's your own influence or you're on the reciprocating in, end of the influencer marketing and you're receiving the marketing based for your company, it's important that you find your tribe. Like we talk about all the time, find people that believe what you believe, find people that represent themselves in their business in a way that you understand and connect with because if you're trying to hone your followers to be that way and that's who you're trying to attract from a follower standpoint on social to a client standpoint in business, it's important that they connect. So all of those signs really looked good. We really felt like this person was was great. They wanted to, to have their home designed and installed by us. We thought that their social presence was great and we liked them and they had great photography and they were sweet and kind and had their, their shit together. And it would be good. It would be great. And I think back to what I was thinking at this time and how my mind was working. And I have, I mean, you guys, just leave it to something to cost your company tens of thousands of dollars for you to really go back in. I mean, I have audited my text messages. I looked at the very first email that we got from this person. I looked at their verbiage. I looked at where they put periods. I looked at the specific difference in what they said and how they said it. And hindsight's 2020, right? So now that I've been able to look back, knowing what happened happened, there were some very clear things that I'm going to tell you about so that this doesn't happen to you. But so we go forward, we meet each other, we like it, we feel like the project is a good fit. They had a, a good budget for furnishings and decor so we could be reflective of our brand and install the project in a way that made sense for our portfolio and all of these things. So we start going down the path and as we're kind of going, anytime you start a partnership and, and we have contracts involved, like there's contracts, there's this is not just like a gentleman's agreement. This is a formal business agreement based on $15,000 worth of services. So we were providing $15,000 worth of design services to this influencer to design and install her house so that she would then post from a social standpoint. And there was a series of criteria that she had to meet for her posting rigor to be able to meet her side of the deal. So she starts doing that. And we're kind of noticing that 
we are not getting, there is no boost. There's no boost in followers. There's no boost in engagement. There is no boost in, in, in anything that we can tell. Like the, the post could have never even happened. But when we're looking at her side, she's getting an, what appears to be a large number of likes. And I'm going to leave out the follower count and how many people and all that stuff because, like I said, I really don't want you guys like going all MacGyver and trying to figure out who this is because I don't have any desire to, to do that. And note that it's no one that we're working with now. So anyone that we're working with now, you can absolutely be guaranteed that I would not be working with them in any way, shape, or form. So anyway, the posts, the 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 likes to the comments just weren't, it wasn't adding up. And so the first time, it's kind of like, hey, design is one of those things that unless you have something to show, it's a visual business like we always talk about. So unless you have something to show, maybe the engagement isn't going to be there. This In this particular instance, the first post was about the design. And we love the design. And it was beautiful. And it was different than anything we had done before. So we were shocked to see that it didn't perform well. But as an influencer myself, I understand that sometimes shit just happens. Maybe Instagram didn't serve it to enough people. Maybe I posted it at an off time. Maybe the photography wasn't exactly where it needed to be at that particular moment. A lot of Instagram is a guessing game. And so I kind of just wrote it off as, all right, for whatever reason, that first post didn't do anything for us, but that's okay. Like we're still good. We're going to, we're going to keep moving forward. So another couple weeks go by and then there's some stories and some more posts and like it just wasn't catching on. There was just, there was something missing and I could feel it and I could feel it in my gut. And that's when I started digging. And that's when I started Googling and I started digging and I started trying to understand how this might be happening. And I'm a big like benefit of the doubt person. I'm a big like female woman person. I'm a big like, I like to think that people are genuinely good and they wouldn't defraud me on purpose person. And so I really was coming at it in a place of like, okay, this can't be like, this can't actually be what I think it is. Like I was even afraid to say to like verbalize any of this because I didn't want to put all that like negative juju out into the world. So I start Googling and as I am really educating myself on what to look for and how to read numbers and how to use a growth chart from an influencer standpoint so you can actually see where the followers are coming from and from what and how and um, you can get so in depth to where you can use a website to track followers from an influencer and then you can you can go back to that date to see if they had a huge spike in followers for some reason and there isn't anything that logically would trace back to that it's kind of fishy it's like hmm why how did you pick up 7000 followers in a day like that's a that's a lot of followers i i feel like that's like some Kardashian status. One of the Kardashians, I'm sure they, they're picking up 7,000 plus followers a day, but that's not normal. That's not, even from the greatest partnership with someone who ha- who commands a huge following, that's just not, that's just not normal. So I was instantly finding some things like that. So after like a very, very deep, dark rabbit hole of probably like a good two weeks, because I kept wanting to think that it wasn't happening and then I was going back and then I started going back to the original email and the media kit that we were sent and the six pages of numbers that were on this media kit that I know how to read a media kit. And when I read it the first time, I remember thinking like, wow, I don't know anything about what half of these numbers and all these acronyms mean, but the followers are there and I love the photography and she's so nice and we feel like it's an aesthetic match and 
it's got to be good, right? She's working with these other huge, huge brand, brands, which is another red flag and another thing that I'm going to I'm going to tell you about how that kind of exists, that gap exists. I start going back and I am I am just totally noticing that all of these all of these things that are pointing to influencer fraud is happening. And what is actually happening in influencer fraud is really a combination of buying followers, buying likes, buying comments, and it's all run by the general term called bots. Bots, botting, using a bot, buying into a bot program, something like that. So there are a couple different types of bots. There's bots that are completely generated on a computer. They're they're a, an algorithm, just like the Instagram algorithm is, where they are basically hacking into the Instagram system and using a computer. I don't even know. It could be artificial intelligence. I have no idea. Some combination of computer assistance in completely fake accounts, completely fake engagement, completely fake interaction. All of it's fake. It doesn't exist. It's all just manipulation of numbers. And then there are bot rings that are actual people that are running 50 accounts that are toggling between all of these 50 accounts and they are commenting, liking, and engaging in an inauthentic way for these accounts and these influencers that are paying them to do so. And I'm talking paying them like up to $2 a like, $2 a comment. So every single time you like or comment, you get $2 as the bot on the other end. And they're huge rings. Um, There used to be a a website called like, um, I want to say it was like Social Clout. And this was years ago, back when Facebook first, first came out with, um, I don't know if you remember when they changed the followers to the likes. When, when followers changed to likes, there was a huge push in, in buying likes. And you could buy, you know, 500 likes for $50 or something like that. And I remember I talked to a girl about it at one point. And the so- social clout, I, I guess, at that time was, was at least that I knew of, again, years and years and years ago, was, was about buying likes. Now it has obviously grown, as the industry has, into this huge option, if you will, in fake engagement. And if you can make the numbers lie for you, that's that's what happens. And then these influencers are publishing numbers saying my engagement is at 3% and I'm commanding 2,700 likes and 500 comments and blah, 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 and all this stuff. All the while knowing that it's all paid for and it's all bought and bought, B-O-U-G-H-T, and bought, B-O-T. It's both. And... As the company on the other end of the partnership, I am giving 100% of our design services at the level that they would be if we had a paying client behind them. And what I am getting in return is a very effed up picture of what this person can provide for me from a social coverage standpoint because their numbers are not real. Is this making sense to you guys? There are some times when I'm in this booth and all I can hear is myself that I just wish that I could have like a talk show, radio, something that I could be like, and caller number two agrees and thinks X, Y, Z, or caller number three thinks you're crazy and whatever. And I could like patch you guys in because I get so heated about it. And it's it's so crazy to me that this is happening. So I realize it's happening. I talk to our director of ops about it, who has a really strong PR background. She contacts one of her contacts in in the PR world, and we approach this influencer. And we basically say, hey, we are not seeing the type of engagement that your influence should command based on what you told us, based on what you told us. 
these are your options. We can keep going and we can bill you or we can stop the project and and we'll go our separate ways. And it was very professional. It was very unemotional. It was just the cold, hard facts. Basically saying we have not been able to verify that this is not influencer fraud without using those words because because you're also like if there is any chance that I am wrong and I am now accusing this person of influencer fraud, that is damaging like beyond. So let's just say it was a very stressful time. Amy, our director of ops, sends it. <laughs> you guys, if you guys, I I wish I could like show you my face when all this was happening. Um and remember, I'm still designing for this person at the time. So we are still like communicating and trying to navigate through this very weird situation that is happening, all the while knowing that this person has completely defrauded me and made me think that their influence is much. And I'm not talking about like a thousand likes or 200 comments or whatever. I'm talking about like tens of thousands of fake followers, fake comments, fake likes, fake engagements, fake everything. It happens. We send the email. The email we get back is really an interesting position, basically not confirming or denying that this is happening, but just points the microscope back at us, asking us what our goals are for this social partnership so that this person can help us get to our goals. I cannot make this up, you guys. I'm not kidding. So obviously my response to that is like, what the hell are you talking about? My goals. Like, how about my goals were to was to work with someone who was ethical and moral and didn't defraud me as a partner. That was my goal. What we get out of this social partnership when it's based on true numbers is completely up to the Instagram gods as far as I'm concerned. If you're doing what you said you were going to do and your numbers are where they should be, I have no problem with where the engagement falls. I have no problem with what your followers bring to us or don't because that's the risk you run when you're working in influencer marketing. And as an influencer myself, I completely understand that. There are some times where I feel like I have made a really good choice and I'm going to show my followers something great and maybe I'm compensated for it and maybe I'm not. And sometimes it works out really well and we have partners that come back to us and say, oh my God, you're the best influencer I've ever worked with. Thank you so much. When can we do it again? And other times we we have companies come back to us and say, hey, you know, we didn't get out of it what we thought we would. Can we think back as to how we could do this differently? Next time we do it, should we X? Or just a flat like, thank you. We're gathering all the feedback from all the influencers that we worked with, and we'll be in touch if we want to do something else. And so that was all I was wanting. My goals are not what what she needed to be concerned with. So I am obviously like irate. I am shaking. I'm so, so angry. And as a business person and as a business owner and as the principal designer of our company and all the other hats that I wear, I am not a secretive person. You can ask anyone that works for me, which you will probably get a chance to hear a lot about when we interview Blanche and Rachel, about what it's like working for a design firm and working for Barb here in general. I'm not a secretive person. Like we share a lot. I probably overshare. I probably tell way more than any qualified air quotes business person says I should. But I find it really important for the people that are right next to me in the trenches 95% of the time to actually know what's going on. Um, it, it does. Sometimes it becomes a, an issue because I maybe I do overshare. But when stuff's happening in our company, I need people to know because I wear my heart on my sleeve and I don't ever want to feel alone. Although 
my, me and Vince are the main decision makers. I want everyone to be informed on what's happening. I don't ever want anyone to be surprised. So this whole thing is happening. Everyone in our company is, is enraged and engulfed in all of this. And we're all kind of in, in disbelief slash like watching it happen. So Amy has another conversation. She calls us crying basically telling us that we can't pull the plug now. There's no way that, like, how could we stop? We can't leave her hanging. This means so much to her X, Y, Z. And what do I do? I finish the project. We finish the project with a huge smile on our face. We absolutely kill the design. We knock it out of the park. We hold up every ounce of what we said we were going to do because that's the kind of gal I am. We decide that while I cannot believe this is happening, we're already too far in. And I'm not that way. I said that I was going to do something. And ultimately, as the principal of this company and the the visionary behind the direction that we took from a marketing standpoint and the benefit that we could have had, it was my call. I was the one who decided to do this. I was the one who didn't do enough research and understanding what this person's network was about. And I basically figured that I'm kind of that person that decided on a really bad partnership with a super bad spokesperson who ends up doing something awful that you're like, and I'm dropping you from Nike. That that was me in my own little world. So I decided, you know what, we're going to finish this. And I still stand behind that decision. It was incredibly costly. We never got any of the social promises that we were intended. Yes, she she marked all the boxes. Yes, she had her intern send us a very um, professional outline of all of the social coverage that we were given. But obviously, that is completely diluted and means nothing to us now because we know that there is such a huge part of this person's influence that is is paid for and is bots and is not real. And I can tell you from an inner and inside community of um, kind of one toe into the, the blogger influencer world, the conversation about this happening is alive and well. And because so many influences or influencers are doing it, it's hurting those that aren't. And I think those that aren't are then being converted into, well, everyone's doing it. So, you know, it's peer pressure 101. It's everyone's doing it. So I should do it or I'm going to be excluded. Or it's going to cost me that paying promotional partnership or collaboration because they're going to go with someone who has bigger numbers. And ultimately, they don't have the tools or the resources to measure what's actually happening. So I'll take the paycheck and deal with it later is is what I think is happening. And I have spoken to some of of my influencer contacts about it. And it's sticky and it's ugly. And but it's happening. So we finished the project. Obviously, we are like good riddance. Um, We're never working with an influencer again, which sucks. And I don't want to feel that way. So now when we are approached with these partnerships from an influencer social coverage for design um, situation, you can totally understand how stringent our requirements are in working with someone. And I like to think that I have like my own little set of private investigators between myself, Kylie, Rachel, Amy, um, my mom, working on making sure that that you're verified. And I don't mean verified from Instagram. I mean making sure that there there is logical sense to the numbers that you are presenting to us. So that is the drama behind what happened. And I feel like that was like long awaited because a few months ago I talked on my stories about influencer fraud and I got so many messages from people either saying, holy shit, what is that? 
or oh my god it's happened to me too or no way or um you know people just in complete disbelief or people saying like you better be careful what you say because people are going to come after you for this and the fact of the matter is is this is my truth this is what happened firsthand to me and my company and cost our team and my business $15,000 in design services that we were never compensated for on a partnership level. Again, I chose to continue because that's the kind of person that I am and I hold myself and our business and our colleagues to the highest ethical and moral standard. And while I think it's horribly wrong and no different than the kind of crazy shit that happens on Wall Street and all of the other scams that are out there, um, it happened. And ultimately it was under my watch and I was the one who decided to enter into it. Although I think the, the playing field was not level at all, that's what's hap- that's what happened and now we have to kind of lay our bed lay in our bed and figure out what to do from here. So, now that I've filled you in on all of that drama, I want to give you some of the tools and resources so that you know what to look for. At a very basic level, go in and check the last 12 posts. Is the like to comment ratio consistent? Are there 3000 likes and 7 comments? That is not normal. There is no way that if you've gotten someone, 3,000 someones, to double tap or hit the heart button, only seven of them are actually taking it the step further to comment. It's it's just not, it's not possible. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, if you want to take it a step further, you can calculate their actual engagement percentage by taking the number of likes and comments on a particular post and dividing that by the total following then multiplying that by 100. That will give you an actual percentage. So if you want to know the engagement on a specific post, that's the easiest way to do it. And that is, again, like MacGyver status, but it will really help you understand where their engagement is. If you can do that over the last 12 posts, that should give you a really good understanding of where their engagement falls. Don't be alarmed if it's all over the place because in in a true authentic following, which I know from growing one, There are some posts that get 400 likes and there are some posts that get 2,000 likes. And sometimes those posts can be 12 hours apart and sometimes those posts can be 12 days apart and there's like no logical pattern to it. So it's okay if it's all over the place. It honestly might scare me more if it was really super consistent because then you can almost tell that they paid a bot, you know, get me to 3,000 likes and 15 comments. The other really good way to check their kind of engagement is to actually audit their own involvement with their following. So are they responding? One of the dead giveaways for this influencer that we worked with was she would only respond to comments. It almost seemed like that she knew weren't bots. So she would have 50 comments and she would only be responding to seven of those because so many of the other comments were really poor quality comments. So that leads me to the third one in what poor quality comments look like. If you are seeing a whole bunch of comments that either are in another language, unless this person is, you know, if if the influencer, you're going after a Spanish market, Spanish speaking market, and you want a Spanish speaking influencer and you speak English and your brand is English, clearly they would be translating your English brand into Spanish. That's not what I mean. I mean an actual influencer that lives in your area, that is American or however that works for you, depending on where you're, where you're listening from. If a whole bunch of those comments are in a foreign language, that's a red flag. Um, if a whole bunch of those comments are appear to be similar, this is nice. Nice pick with the thumbs up. 
magical with the star emoji. Um, you have a really beautiful feed. Just those types of comments. And then if you look at the account that that comment is coming from, a lot of times it'll be like some name and then a whole bunch of numbers or some names, numbers, XXOOOOO. It'll be like 15 characters. Like there aren't very many people that have a handle that's like 15 characters plus. Um, and then once you actually click on that account, you can see that this person has five followers or they're following no one or they don't have any followers or it's a random picture or the account doesn't have a profile photo. That's a, that's like a really lazy. Those must be the cheap bots because those people aren't even taking the time to put a profile photo or rip, rip a profile photo off from another user, which we also see all the time. Um, they're not even taking the time to put a profile photo up. So like that's just absolutely like asking for attention to be called to it. Um, so, so specifically how they're engaging with those comments and what those comments look like. You can tell a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot from that. Um, number four for me is ask for a media kit. If you are on the reciprocating end of working with an influencer, ask for a media kit. That media kit should be, or a press kit or a one sheet, they're all called all of that. That media kit should be one to two pages and it should lightly focus on the numbers. For the most part, in, in a media kit, I'm trying to learn about you as an influencer. I'm trying to learn about where you came from. What do you stand for? What do you believe in? An, an understanding of your feed and what it looks like. How you curate your photography. Your photography, I'm sorry. Do you travel? Do you have kids? Like I'm trying to actually learn more about you than I can learn just by clicking on your profile. So I don't need to know numbers upon numbers and graphs upon graphs and how how your engagement is here on this day of the week and here on another. And like if it just seems like it's an influx of information to where someone who has a qualified eye, aka me in the situation that I was in, in business was like, what the hell does all this mean? Like, I don't know what any of this means. That that to me is a red flag because I felt like that information there was there was a void that was trying to be filled by all of that information and the void was bombarding me with numbers that I didn't understand so that it looked like this person was more qualified than someone else. The other thing you can do is use one of the tools that you'll find on Google. We use Influencer Marketing Hub when we need to check out an influencer profile. We will put that in the show notes and link it so that you can just go right to the show notes on our website, www.thelifestyledco.com um, under podcast. Click through the show notes. They're at the very bottom. It says show notes. Take me there. And then you can go to each show's, each episode's notes and be able to read through it and get all of the resources that I talk about on the show. So we will make sure that we link that. There's a whole bunch of different uses and tools that they've created so that you can check some things and audit it and track. I use Influencer Marketing Hub a lot on myself because when I am doing a partnership with someone, I like to see where their followers are at when we start and then where they're at at the end of, let's say, that 24-hour period when I'm putting a story together or something like that. It's really important to me to be a really top-notch partner. Like, when we work together, I want you as a company to be able to say, wow, Lifestyle Co. and her team, those those girls know what they're doing. Those people are committed to being great partners. And because of that, even though they're micro-influencers, like, I have 43,000 followers. Kylie has 5,000 plus. There's, you know, our shop has 15,000, almost 16,000. These are all like relatively small numbers in the Instagram world. But the way we're doing it, I like to think is the right way. And you can tell that when you go and you audit. 
So influencer marketing hub is a huge one. And like I said, if you just Google Instagram fraud or how to find a Instagram engagement or Instagram engagement tool or fake followers or some iteration of all of those buzzwords, you're going to get some good tools that are free that you can use to give you just very basic information. If you are a marketer and you actually represent a business where you are spending a marketing budget, I would probably invest in something like socialchain.com or something that has a little bit more accuracy and can give you more meat so that you can use those tools to make better decisions for your business. The last point I want to make an influencer fraud, and I really want to make sure that you guys know, I am known for design and I want to be known for design. As I've said in previous episodes, when you think of design, I want you to think of me. I am not an Instagram expert. I do not want to be the poster child for influencer marketing. I just really felt burned and deceived and shitty about having that happen. And I wanted to talk about it. So I don't want my whole life or this podcast or our profiles or anything to shift to where this is kind of like what what we're known for. I wanted to take an episode so that I could speak more in depth on it because of how much fire it lit that day that I got on stories and talked about it. So I really think it's important and I'm glad I did it. But just know this is not content that you're going to see over and over. I thought it was important to get it out and we're moving on. The last point I want to make is with these big brands. You might be asking yourself like I was, how is this person that is presenting herself as an influencer that has X amount of followers, how how is this person working with all these huge brands? Like this particular influencer had big, big brand partnerships, big travels, big cars, big beauty brands, big, big brands. Like they had big brands. How is that happening? And my only theory, which is pure theory, only opinion, is when you work for a big company and you're managing a marketing budget, the budget is is ample. It's big, especially in these big brands. And they have not yet, from a big brand standpoint, a lot of them are, are just now coming into seeing the value in influencer marketing. A lot of them are just now coming into realizing that when you work with an influencer, an average ROI, according to Forbes magazine, is $7.65 to the dollar. That's huge. That is that is an ROI that could never be touched in print or most regular conventional versions of advertising. So most of these brands, this whole thing called social media is still relatively new because these brands have been around for a long time in in a variety of industries and almost every single one except social media itself or some of those early adapters like, you know, the people that that we know are very prevalent on Instagram and Facebook and, and social media. So they just got into this game. So because they are they are still very new at it, they have not yet seen the need to have a fraud department, if you will, that audits this stuff or someone in their marketing department who is saying, hey, before we just cut a big fat check, we want to check you out. And I don't just want it to be your version of your numbers. I am going to use some outside resources, some outside tools, some industry tools, just like you would on a website or a blog to check those stats and to make sure that you are who you say you are. And if you are not who you say you are, I hate that for you. And I want you to cut that shit out because it's not helping anyone as an industry. It's not helping anyone move forward. It's not helping you. It sure makes you look like an asshole. And it, it's just, it's all around bad. So I truly believe that why this is still happening is because the resources just aren't there from an internal perspective. Said humongous brand, let's call it Coca-Cola, 
has a huge marketing team with a huge marketing budget. And while they might have one or two or even 10 people working in their social media department, one or two or 10 of those people are not dedicated yet to ensuring that the influencer is who they say they are. And I have said it before and I'll say it again. If you are a young person and you want to get into some sort of law, I personally feel like influencer fraud is a huge, huge part of business and litigation that will be coming. And it's a scary, scary business, but it will happen at some point when someone will deceive a company that is big enough that has the spend to get their legal team after that person. And it'll be big and ugly and nasty. And it's not going to be me, but it's going to happen. And when it does, I think it will really change the industry as a whole. And hopefully these influencers that are still partaking in this kind of stuff will be terrified and not do that. Because ultimately, if you're building a business on complete completely inauthentic everything, it will catch up to you at some point. It is like the highest form of bad, bad shit, just horribleness. So that's my last tidbit on influencer fraud. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I am more than happy to listen to your feedback either positive or negative, I am more than happy to help you via Instagram direct messages if you have other questions about it. If you are another small business and you are looking for local influencers to my, or, or even I have a, a big reach um, nationally as well to help you grow your business, I of course have a list of people that I know are are authentic and great and amazing and are giving influencer marketing in my little world a, a positive boost, not a negative one. Um, but I'm more than happy to help you. So shoot me an email, shoot me a DM. We're going to close the show like we always do with three questions. So question number one, time management, juggling kids, work, working out, hubby, I need help. That's from at the Nikki Butler, or I'm sorry. Yeah, at the Nikki Butler. Um, ugh, like I said earlier in this episode, I don't know that I'm the poster child for this, but I do feel like I can get a lot done in a day and that all, I think, stems from time management. So some of the tactics that work the best for me are block scheduling. So when we as a team, whether you're one woman show or you have a team or you work with a virtual assistant or however you're leading your pack, um, block scheduling really helps. So when we know that we have to do something like now, pretty much exclusively, we design using block scheduling. So that means we will say, okay, we have this project to design, this project to design, this project to design. We need to block three five-hour sessions where no one is interrupting us. The three of us as a design team are around a table. We are not looking at our emails. We are not looking at our phones. We are completely designing. That has been a huge game changer because design is so creative. And I think for a lot of other creative business owners out there, they understand I have to be in the right mind. So if I've got like emails popping in or text messages or, hey, are you at the shop? Or my nanny asking me if what, you know, something about my girls, my husband, whatever. It's just really hard to break away from that and then to go back in. So block scheduling is like a completely hands-off. We tell everyone in our company, hey, we're going to design. We typically go off site or we go to our project site so that we can really engulf and immerse ourselves in that. But block scheduling is a big one. And the same is true with my at-home time. We really try when we get home not to be on our phones and to give our kids the time that they need. When I say really try, I mean every Monday, it's a new week, so we start out saying no phones. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're totally on our phones. So I'm just being completely honest with you. I feel like one day a week is better than no days a week. Maybe someday we'll graduate to two days a week, but having dedicated time helps. 
I also am no longer a slave to my emails, which is a good thing and a bad thing, honestly. The good thing is I have a lot more time to do bigger picture stuff, but the bad thing is I have emails in my inbox that legitimately take me seven to 10 days to get back to, which is like completely like the hugest no-no in business ever. If you are taking seven days to get back to your clients, you're not gonna have any clients, and I'll tell you that right now. The reason why it works for us is because Kylie and Rachel are our client leads, and then Amy, our director of ops, deals with all of our incoming leads, so everyone is essentially taken care of. If you're emailing me as a client, you know that this is probably something that is a bigger conversation or something down the road or something 40,000 feet or something that you can wait on, because they know that I'm in the field and that I'm, I'm working on projects every single day with my hands and I'm not a slave to my email. Also, in that same token, checking your email once in the morning and once before you leave is a really good practice. Or if you want to go through your emails and, and trash all the, the trash mail, the junk mail, you can do that at night on your phone if you don't have an Amy in your life. Amy, for me, she goes through my email every day and throws out just just bulk trash dumps, like big trash pickup day. Every day, all of the marketing stuff that she knows I don't need, all of the stuff that she knows I'm not going to read, and then she flags for me the stuff that is important. Or she'll take a screenshot of it and actually send it to me via text and say like, hey, you need to get back to this person. So having someone like that in your life who can help you manage that also really helps. The other huge game changer in time management for me is meal planning. Weeks that I don't meal plan, not good weeks. None of us eat pretty much. Um, well, the girls eat, but then Vince and I end up like popping in a pizza or door dashing four out of five nights or something really expensive. So nights and, and weeks that I meal plan are huge. I spend less money. I eat healthier. I feel more organized. Meal planning is a big one for us. Other than that, I kind of just throw my hands up and leave everything else to God. Buddha, karma, whatever, um, because I don't feel like I have it all under control. Working out, I work out when I can. I am a very active person. And because of our industry and what, what's required of us, we're not sitting down very much. So I think that helps. But I do Pilates and it's really important to me to try to do it once a week. Again, it's not giving me the beach bod that I want. I probably need to be there like two or three times a week. But don't be so hard on yourself. Be happy with a little bit. A little bit is better than nothing in most of these areas. Give 100% of your authenticity and, and give yourself a little grace. And I really feel like you'll be able to find a medium that works for you in time management and be able to feel good in many of those arenas. Here's a design-related one. What is the biggest bang for your buck that anyone can do? I thought that was really um, an interesting spin. And that's from at Kim. I think it's Proche, maybe. Um Biggest bang for your buck that anyone can do. This is a cliche answer, but paint. Paint is the cheapest. You really don't have to be that good at it to make it look decent on a wall. Um, and it's just going to give you the most impact. I subscribe to a more natural, subdued, minimalist style paint design. So I'm not a huge like, you know, paint a wall just to paint a wall kind of person. I tend to like all four walls in a room the same color. I'm not a big focal wall with paint designer. But if you're looking for high impact and you have a plan for what's going in front of the wall, definitely paint. If you're looking for something, um, Kim, that is a little bit higher on the price point, um, Lighting. Lighting is another huge one. Lighting is a game changer that anyone can do. You can pick good lighting and you can have it installed or you can YouTube how to install lighting fixtures. It's actually relatively simple. There's three wires, a red wire, a black wire, and a ground wire normally, or a green and a black wire and a ground wire. Um, 
it's really relatively simple to do. So lighting, lighting is a big one. I mentioned earlier on Instagram this week, oversized lighting is not going anywhere. So if you have to make a call, whether to go smaller on a lighting fixture or bigger, go big or go home because it will give you a ton of impact and is definitely where we're seeing the trend going. Last question from Blue Copper Design. How do you keep your business fresh and continue to be creative? I love that question. How do I keep my business fresh? I do what feels good. I know. I know. I feel like I'm just full of all these just basic, basic answers. But it getting back to basics is so important. Um, I do what feels good. I do what feels good in my gut. I wish I could like teach confidence and I do think I have some tactics for you guys that struggle with that as to how to put your voice in front of everyone else's in your head when no like no one can hear what's happening in your head. So I I have been developing and trying to get what's in my brain out on paper so that I can talk about it on the podcast with you guys. But having confidence in knowing you're doing what feels good, it all kind of goes with your your authentic self and listening to yourself and Also having an understanding of what's happening in the market. I think it's really underutilized and undervalued the perception and understanding and symmetry and synergy of what's happening in your market, specifically in design or photography or I don't know, kind of any creative business. You want to know what's happening in your market, but you also don't, you don't want to be copying anyone. You want to be filling a void if there is one. You want to identify the void. Um, And you need to not be afraid to do things that might be unpopular. I think that's another huge point in graduating, if you will, to having confidence in yourself and in your gut and your your inner mind is being okay with the unpopular answer and kind of that's often referred to as like blazing your own trail. You want to be you you got to be you got to be okay when you're a business owner with doing things that are unpopular because if you're always trying to do the popular thing or the thing that is getting a lot of notoriety or a lot of press or seems to be the bandwagon that everyone's on so you're jumping on, it's going to be really hard for you to differentiate who you are and what you are and what you stand for and what your look is and why people should want to work with you in a thriving market. We are in Arizona and on the West Coast specifically, and let me tell you, everyone is a designer. There are a ton of designers and there are a ton of very capable designers and and there is a ton of great design and When you're in a market that's saturated, you have to have other reasons why people want to work with you and want want to even give you a chance to learn about you. I always say with clients, hey, if you don't end up working with us or if we're not the best fit for you, I, I want you to get to someone who is. I want you to find your person because it just makes the experience for the designer or the design team and then you as the client so, so much better. So I think it's important to have an understanding of, of what's happening in your market. I really feel like you need to be okay with making decisions and, and following them through that might be unpopular. And you need to give yourself enough of a chance with those unpopular decisions to yield and understand the outcome from that so that you can pivot. We always talk about pivot. I say it all the time. We're constantly pivoting. The reason why we're hiring another designer is because we're pivoting, because we're trying to make sure that we can work with more people that want to work with us. And that's a great problem to have. So in staying creative, I think it's inspiration. It's travel. It's being relevant in the market. It's understanding what's available. It's um, looking at materials and uses in a different way than than maybe you would have before and trying tracking that. I think it's reading. I think it's all the visual stimulants that are around and and 
not letting that stuff pass you by and really trying to be present so that you can understand all that stuff. I know that was a long-winded answer. I hope answering these questions help for you guys. Let me know on DMs if you like this part of the show. The whole what I'm wearing, what I'm eating, where I am, all that was an opportunity to try to let you in a little bit of into what you can't see. And then closing the show with the questions is trying to make sure that we are answering some of those questions that are just kind of always out there. So let it, let me know if you like it because I, I am willing to pivot and I want to make this show everything you want. So that is episode three, Influencer Fraud. Rate, review, like, tell your friends. I love to see screenshots of our image cover from iTunes. Um, I love to see that you're telling new people. I love to hear your feedback. We're going to keep going. Season one in full force. See you on episode four. Thanks for listening. Kristen responds to every direct message on Instagram. So if you've got something to say, want to be a guest, or have episode ideas, get her at Lifestyled Co. Need some organic desert living for yourself? The Lifestyled Company Shop is waiting for you online at www.lifestyledcoshop.com at the brick-and-mortar location in downtown Gilbert, or on Instagram at Lifestyle Co. Shop. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify.